Sports Beat Extra. Beats 102-103. I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford. There's more issues than the travel. I said I just can't do it. Games go on and you don't get a goal. Start to have little questions in the back of your mind. Welcome back to the latest edition this Saturday, the 12th of September. I'm back to get you inside the camp of all the Southeast's biggest sporting stories on what's been a crazy week. So join me, Kevin Galvin, on this week's Sportsbeat Extra. We look back on one of the best weeks Southeast Cycling has enjoyed in three decades. If you're being generous today, it was poor banter. It wasn't funny. If that's the dynamic they have between them, it's not particularly good entertainment. We hear from a Wexford man gearing up to take on one of football's biggest icons. You want to get through a round and give yourself the best chance to get through. And I think AFC Milan is probably the worst draw for us. I'm about to get the lowdown on the biggest feel-good sporting stories in Ireland this week. One man definitely not feeling good was Wexford FC assistant manager David Breen last night. We were at Ferry Carrick Park where Wexford that looked in control were somehow beaten 3-1 by Bray Wanders with all three concessions made in the crazy last four minutes of the game. With manager Brian O'Sullivan unavailable for comment, Breen gave Beat Sport the reaction inside the camp. Sports Beat Extra. Beat 102-103. It's so hard for the lads and they're gutted. Um, they know they put a shift in. Look, they needed to put a shift in from last week's result to be fair. And uh, we got that form. We got a great reaction from the lads last five minutes it's it's. I, I don't know why we give away the penalty and you still say look we can get a draw we pick up a point out of this and we get out but it's it's two goals in, in, in two minutes and you're scratching your head and you're saying how is it is it a fear thing when you concede one do we just drop off and you know or do we switch off for those couple of minutes and um, look it's just so hard to take but but for me we don't concede the penalty I, th- I think we see it out you know is it just look they say that winning breeds winning and losing breeds losing and obviously your guys are on a bad run it's the seven now in a row is it, do you think it's that is it just the mental side of things yeah absolutely it, it, it certainly is it's, it's a confidence thing um, but look as I said they're a good bunch of lads they'll be there early for training Monday They'll you know, and, and they'll work hard to be fair to them um, it's up to us just to keep them focused and, and keep them up for every game to be fair um, yeah look I mean obviously they got tired to be fair uh, Bray Bray had some good possession uh, they didn't hurt us too much to be fair um, so mentally I don't know is you know is it that do we switch off for a brief second and and, 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 and concede those goals I don't know but we just got to keep them going I said they're a great bunch of lads a lot of them are only learning their trade coming from 19's football and stuff like that and uh, but I said look I just feel for the lads because look as I said they're there every every night training they want to improve uh, they want to impress you they want to win games and um, we just need to get some kind of result to get the lads yeah. up and running again to be and fair. even that's the way it seemed like once he got that goal having uh, obviously Yusuf having missed the one earlier but um, it just seemed like you kind of breathed a bit of confidence into you seemed like and it, you know I think as you say they kind of showed the testament to the players the fact that they came out initially and they played that way and, and they were very disciplined I thought in the first particularly in the first half yeah well look after conceding eight goals the week before I mean obviously we worked on on, on our defensive shape uh, all week leading up to the game um, so yeah I mean they, they, the goal always helps I mean we should have been two to be fair as yeah. he had a great chance um, and it could be a different game there but you can see our lads were confident and, and look we give them a game plan they stick to it they, they really do to be fair to them um, but winning is everything winning is everything and that's where you're confident okay you get a goal and, and, and you can see the lift in the team but equally the flip side of that you can see the goal and you see the deflation from yeah. the team to be fair yeah, you know so it, it works both ways and, and as I said a two goal cushion obviously is better than a one goal cushion to be fair 
Um, yeah, look, we, we'll pick up a result. We, we, we need to pick it up sooner rather than later, to be fair, because there's no easy games in, the, in this division. Um, but I think if we play like we don't tonight, um, for, for 90 minutes rather than 87 yeah. minutes, I think we'll pick up some points. Are you worried about the statistic, though, that that, that, that seven last in the bounce? Are you worried about it? Well, not, of course you're always going to be worried, but look, we were in the situation last year as well. Yeah. Um, like, Not a huge amount has changed in terms of where Wexford are, in terms of our budget or, or whatever the case may be. You know, we've, we've got a lot of lads here just coming down, giving up their time and, 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 and doing their best. So, yes, it's concerning when you're not winning games. That's that's the bottom line of League of Ireland football. You've you got to win games. And um, But look, as I said, the, we are where we are and that's just where Wexford are at the moment and that's where we are. We've we just got to keep it going. We've got to try and we just got to try and lift the lads. We've got to try and lift the place, the fans, the supporters, the lads they are watching tonight. We've, we've got to do our best and everyone will do that. Yeah. Um, but we are in a better position than we were last year. We were we were bottom for most of the year. And I, and we were second I, bottom. So yeah. it's, it's, look, it's, it's small gains, and look, it's still not good enough. Don't get me wrong, but we're looking for improvement. We are getting improvement. I suppose that improvement is shown by just as you say the kind of you know. I remember interviewing Brian last year at the the last game of last season against Longford, and he was saying, you know, all the issues he had with players, the commitment, the issues that you had with players. It seems like now you have a, a group that are that are committed, that are as you say are, are working to your hymn sheet and. You know, as you say, like it was a very disappointing result tonight. But for those eighty-seven minutes, looked like a completely different team than the one we saw the week before. So it does seem like there's there's potential for improvement there. Uh, there is, and, and look, we, we just need to keep working with the lads. Um, you can see the the work we done out of, with them during the week, and and you see how it paid off there tonight. Because I said, a lot of them only coming out of nineteens football. They're still a really young team there. Um, and, and look, I'm the coach, and, and Brian's the manager. We've got to show them how to play the game. But a lot of them don't know how to play it at, at a senior level. So, like we're getting there. But you're right, the commitment level is there, yeah. and that's all you can ask for the, from the lads. To be fair, the commitment level is there, and, and hopefully, you know, the fans will, will stay by us. And you know, you've seen there tonight that, that, that they're giving their all there. To be fair, look, sometimes you might come up short, yeah. um, but look, once they give a hundred percent, we can't ask for much more, and we'll keep working on on, on the small few things. You know, finally, David, and thanks for staying with me for no so problem. long. Um, Galway next you're coming up against a, a serial winner in John Caulfield of course won everything there was to win at Cork they're on a bit of a run as well they beat Shamrock Rovers 2 again today yeah. um, they've won their last few like what, what's the message to the lads now and I and I suppose more generally after a game like this and after the 8-0 the how do you kind of mentally get players back going again and how do you how do you instil that confidence in them yeah look you, you just we'll go Monday and we, we'll make it enjoyable you yeah. know we, you, you don't want to be everyone don't, don't want to come in with your shoulders down and you know you need to stay with your chest open and head up and, and, and make it enjoyable um, you know keep the fitness levels up keep working on, on team shape and just keep encouraging the lads to do the right things and that's all you can do you know there's no nothing magic you can do you know we can't get in all a huge amount of players now obviously you know the season in terms of getting in players is, is, is finished so we've got to work with a bunch of lads there but as I said their commitment level they'll come in Monday and they'll be mad to train they'll be mad to put things right and as I said that's all you can ask for look Galway are they were always going to improve with John going in there um, they're, they're, I think they train four times a week up there they're almost full time you know um, it's, again it's going to be a huge test for us um, but look it's one that we'll have the lads up we, we'll get them ready we'll get them ready we'll have a look at Galway over the weekend in, in, in terms of how they shape up and uh, we, we'll go and put in a, as best of a performance if we can and hopefully so we need a bit of luck too you yeah. know, you know we're, we're, we're crying out for a little bit of luck and uh, if we get that and the performance as I said for the 87 minutes you never know what can happen this is Sports
So a huge week in the world of cycling and Southeast cycling in particular. Uh, we had a stage winner in the shape of Sam Bennett, whether he's from Tipperary or Waterford or not, I'll, I'll leave the rest of you decide that. Uh, we're joined by Kieran Lennon, a uh, sports journalist with the Irish Independent and a man who has a particular interest in cycling, I suppose. Um, Kieran, I suppose, look, it's been a brilliant week for Sam um, and, you know, even Irish cycling in general. Nicholas Roach won the most competitive rider last week, I think around this time last week. Um, Sam won his first ever stage at the Tour de France. I suppose as somebody who's who's covered him for for so long um, and has seen even you know even in this tour how close he's come to getting over the line first. How how much do you think it means to Sam Bennett? Oh, I think that was um, that was very clear from the interview he did post race with uh, Eurosport. It just took him those few seconds for for the enormity of it to hit home, and then the the sort of the flood of tears came. Um, obviously, when you see a young fella like um, Mark Hershey win yesterday's stage at 22, um, it, I'm not saying it's not going to mean as much to him, but his journey hasn't been as long. For, for Sam, it's been, a, it's been a long enough journey to get to the what is pretty much the pinnacle of uh, cycling for sprinters. Um, so this is years and years of hard work, of progress, steady progress from... 17, 18 to uh, working his way through the through, up through the ladder of professional cycling. This is huge for him. This is why he left his his old team, Bora Hansgrohe, to ride in the Tour de France and win uh, stages as a sprinter of the Tour de France. Um, and really, the elite the elite sprinters in pro cycling can only really justify themselves as elite sprinters if they're winning stages in the Tour de France. So this is a huge moment for him um, and his family and Irish cycling community in general. Yeah, it's, it, I mean it's absolutely massive. As you say, you know it's been a it's been a tough year for him leaving Borahans Grow and all that. Um, how much of a vindication is it for him? I suppose this must be huge vindication for him. As you say, that's one of the reasons why he left. And now for him to be able to secure that for the team is vindication not only for the team but also for him personally in terms of making that big decision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like he effectively was. Uh, made the third choice sprinter for Bora Hansgrohe last year even though he was I think he won more races than anyone else on the team um, and uh, in theory he, he saw the Giro d'Italia as his race and he was told at the start of last year that he wasn't going to ride it he was effectively going to ride Vuelta which effectively makes him third choice mm. um, so from that moment on he clearly wants to move he wants to get the opportunity and he's moved to what somewhat argue was one of the biggest teams in the world um, and they've always been renowned for winning stages they're a winning team it comes with enormous pressure as well then um, uh, so you have to you have to deliver um, so uh, to do that for that team is, is remarkable um, but then also as we've seen throughout the week he's been in a battle with his former teammate for the green jersey um, so Peter Sagan effectively the, the three time world champion um, the biggest name in cycling um, and he was their he was their go-to man for Hansgrohe's go-to man for the for the last few years at the Tour de France. He was the reason Sam Bennett didn't go to the Tour de France, and now to be able to to do to win stages to claim the green jersey from Peter Sagan, it's an enormous vindication for the decision the decision he made, um, which I'm sure was a hard one because he'd come up with that team as they they came up through the ranks, so it was a big move for him. Um, but it has paid off enormously for him. And then also for Quickstep too, 
they expect they expect wins and that's what he's delivered Absolutely and I suppose look it just goes to show you I mean Peter Sagan has won the green jersey uh, for the best sprinter of the Tour de France every single year bar 2017 um, since yeah, 2012 yeah. it's 2012, 2013, 14, 15 all the way up um, only 2017 it makes you wonder then you know if Sam was racing in not, if Sam wasn't racing in the same team as him would there be would we have seen more of those kind of green jersey battles over particularly the last couple of years since since Sagan joined Bora Hansgrohe in, in 2017 yeah potentially like it, it's a uh it's obviously a complex one because Sagan is a slightly more rounded rider, um, and he's dominated. He's dominated that jersey against the best out and out sprinters because he's a bit more versatile and he's able to win intermediate sprints even in mountains. So he he's, he starts off nearly with a natural advantage over the sprinters because he can climb a bit and he can get to the intermediate sprints and he can win slightly different stages. So that sort of versatility has has given him an advantage. Um, but it then also shows that how great Dennis has done this year um, to actually be able to compete with him. Maybe Sagan's not quite at his best either, but um, it's, uh, I think previous years, Sam has progressed nearly year on year. For the last two or three years, he's, re- he's really been at Sagan's level. So if he was there last year or maybe the year before, I think we would have seen those sort of battles, which, which has been brilliant for the, for the first two weeks of the Tour de France. The green jersey classification has been more interesting than the yellow jersey. Um, it means we've had two week, a two-week-long storyline so far, really, as well, which um, is, is great for Irish viewers when every day matters, every day there's an intermediate sprint and maybe potentially a, a end-of-stage sprint. Um, so it's been a, a really good battle, a really good storyline, and the final chapters clearly aren't written yet, so um, it's definitely one we're going to be glued to for the next week or so. The other big story, I suppose, of the week wasn't just Sam's win, it was the reaction to it. Um, you know, we, we at Beat Sport, we contacted uh, Eurosport this week in relation to Bradley Wiggins' comments. Um, if you haven't seen them, I suggest you go online and look at them. Now, Eurosport claimed that it's it, it was taken out of context. Uh, Wiggins said that basically that they could claim uh, Bennett as being British. And then when Sean Kelly said, you're not claiming him, uh, Wigan said something something along the lines the effect of oh well I was talking to him at the Vuelta and at least we can understand him we can't understand a word you're saying Sean um, which is a pretty big slap in the face to to a cycling great now in fairness watching the full clip Wiggins did go back and kind of say you know say you know great champion like yourself Sean and you know all about it um, but it, it's just it was it was a bit unnecessary wasn't it Kieran? Yeah it's um, like if you're being generous you'd say um it was poor banter. Um, it, it wasn't funny. Um, so to try and uh, if that's the dynamic they have between them, it's not particularly um, good entertainment. Um, Wiggins has some good insights, um, but he's also obviously um, he's a bit of a loose character um, too. So it doesn't surprise you that he, he says those sort of things. Um, it's a bit crass, really, um, and disappointing. I wouldn't be surprised if he says something else controversial uh, he just seems to say these things and not really can, uh, think too much about it um, but that's kind of his nature really On a brighter note though 
you know, speaking of Sean Kelly and of Sam, um, look, we all know where they're both from. What is it that you think uh, about that region that kind of, because I know Sam has asked this question, Sean has asked this question about, you know, they just say the sheer amount of people you see out in Carrick and I can attest to that on a Saturday or on a Sunday, um, mm. you know, of town of, a town of such a size. What is it about that area that, that breeds such great cycling winners? Well, I suppose, first of all, it's a great place. Go cycling. Um, that's, I suppose, quite nearly ironic that there's so many good mountain roads down there, uh, and yet uh, Sam is more suited to the flat roads. <laughs> Kelly, to agree as well. Um, I suppose good people as well, like um, the pro, good people involved in the clubs too, to, to bring bring um, young guys to through. You obviously have the likes of Connor Henry too as well. Um, the O'Loughlins, um, Connor Dunn, effectively, I suppose, is a it's an adopted son of character too, so um, it's they're not just one off. It's, I'm, I'm, I would uh, have to guess that it's it's the level of interest in cycling in the area. You just have more people on the road, more talent to develop. Um, our cycling family is quite small, so if you have talent, um, you should, that should be recognised and, and nurtured. Um, unless there's just something in the water. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. This Thursday will be a huge day for League of Ireland soccer as Shamrock Rovers take on one of Europe's biggest clubs. Real Madrid and Juventus have already been to the Tala Stadium in the last decade or so and AC Milan will be the latest to arrive in South Dublin to take on a high-flying Rovers side in the Europa League second qualifying round. No trip to the San Siro with the current single game format but an opportunity to take a massive scalp nonetheless. However, for Wexford's own Greg Bulger, the Rossonieri was his last preference. Obviously, it's, uh, it's a massive toy. This year, I suppose you put in contact, context, there's no fans, so it's a bit different. Um, which might, much to us, you think of European nights, you think of um, fans, full houses, when they come to Ireland. And obviously, being a one-off toy as well, um, usually, like, you know, with a two-legged toy, you'd, you'd be sussing each other out, first leg, if you've got home drawn, stuff like that. So, look, it's one we're excited for. Obviously, with the one-off toy, you just, you just never know. Um Obviously, with no fans behind us, it can be a good thing and a bad thing, but I think it could suit us. They come, out, come over on our estimates and stuff. But um, it's one, obviously, the lads are obviously looking forward to. Um, when you look at the draw, there's probably three teams possible, like the AC Milan, the Hungarian team, the team, and we were kind of... Um, we were we were probably hoping not to get AC Milan, you know, because obviously you want to get through around and give yourself the best chance to get through. And I think AC Milan is probably the worst draw for us. But um, like, like, like I said, the years before... Would have been the full house. Club would have made money on the back of everything, maybe um, uh, doing TV rights and stuff. But uh, obviously a bit different this year in 2020, uh, mad year. But um, no, look, one of the lads looking forward to. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll um, we'll be trying to find our weaknesses, and uh, there's no doubt we'll be setting up to try and win the game. Obviously, chink a few things defensively, but um, one we're all looking forward to. Uh, good, I'm missing it myself, but uh, yeah, no, should be good. Should be a good night. And hopefully we can get a get a get a good result. Um, can I ask you, um, kind of, were you like, what what was what was the group chat like when you found out that you had drawn AC Milan? Like, I mean, the chance to play against a huge team and a team, you know, I suppose not really uh, in their prime at the moment. That their their actual Milan neighbours seem to be slightly pushing ahead, but still, nonetheless, a, a giant of world football. Yeah, seven times European champions. You know, um, it was yeah. No, it was mad. We were kind of talking about we knew the draw was coming. 
I was like, she was saying, oh, was it getting AC Milan? And I'm like, no, we don't want AC Milan. We want, we want the best chance of getting through the group, get more money for the club, for yourself. Um, but then, obviously, I got AC Milan. I think I did a podca- podcast that morning, and I was probably saying the same thing. No, don't AC Milan. It was the best chance of getting through. And then I think it was about 20 minutes later, we drew Milan. So, it looked a bit of a, a, bit of a fool. But, um, um, no, it was, it was going off. Obviously, the lads were like, Jesus, big tie. But uh, others were probably a bit... That we didn't get get another team to go give ourselves, like I said, a better chance to go through. But um, no, look, it's, it's good. Slatan and the boys should be fun. I suppose it's a bit strange for you this year because you, you broke your leg in a game against Wexford, um, which was which was really unfortunate. Um, is it a bit strange because I suppose you did obviously take part in those first couple of games so I don't know like what's the entitlement now if you guys were to go on and win the league because you obviously beat Bulls the last day you're five points clear it looks like you know I think the, the, I know you're not going to say it on air but it looks like the rest of the league is saying that you're the clear favourites for the league now going forward so do, is it is it like what? how much involvement would you have with the squad on a day-to-day basis now and does it almost feel like two parts of the season for you in terms of having the injury and, and being able to play as well? The biggest thing I learned was um I can't go watch football games. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> you had to be gone and um, watching the games, kicking every ball. But no, um, obviously the start, yeah. Look, I was very unlucky the injury. I was literally a week out from the season. I was flying. I was ready to go. This sorry, I was from the restart. So I was flying around to go and I was just kind of a free accident. I couldn't really do anything about it. But um, it's one that I had to take on the chain and just get on with it. And look, I like to see them mentally, mentally strong. But that, I find it as another challenge. And look, this is where I'm at and this is where I need to get to. So the challenge for me and one that uh, I'm really looking forward to, to getting in the rehab. I'm kind of what, nearly halfway through it now. But um, from the start, yes, well, I think I played four, three games, one three, so not bad. <laughs> this is last four five games played at the start of uh, the lockdown. So played three, one three, so not too bad. But no, involved, yeah, no, definitely. I'm in the dressing room. Um, uh, most 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 weeks, every week, just you know, if we're playing different teams, calling the lads about certain players, what way they play and stuff. So, yeah, no, be well involved. Obviously, in the dressing room, bit experience there with myself, Joey Finner, and and a few other lads, and the man, it's and all. And, and like obviously, there's young lads as well that you you kind of if they needed a short lean, I'll, I'll be there. You know, that kind of way. So, um, no, I'm still well involved in the dressing room. Um, like I said before, games given like more players to play in the league. Given the players that are probably in my position, certain 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 things what certain players do and stuff, and just trying to drive the lads on, and obviously that's that's the way that's the way I am, and yeah. So look, we we're not like I said though, we're not taking the league the league far from over, and um, we've I think of eight games left in the league. So there's going to be ups and downs. There's so many games and so short period of time, and the way the league is, it's mad. You win a few games. You could be up there, you lose a few games, you could be down the bottom. So, look, it's one there, we're not going ahead of ourselves, we put ourselves in a great position. And um, we just need to take it game by game and not stand, stand against Caucus again and then. And then take from there. Um, Greg, last time I was talking to you it was around this time last year, if I'm right in saying, and you had confirmed to me that you had signed a, a new a new contract extension with Rovers. Um, like, I, 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 are we getting around to talk, those kind of talks again? Do you know what what 2021 holds for you once you get over this injury? Um, yeah, well, usually this time of the year I'll probably be be sorted or knowing what I'm kind of doing. Um, and I'm sure all the other players will as well. Um, look, I'm on a contract. Um, now a contract at the end of the year. Um, obviously, I'm in a different position 
who I was last year mm. <laughs> I have a broken leg here but um, no look I'm just my main focus is getting getting back which I will get back um, and I think it was with the gaffer and chanting it's just like look you need to get yourself get yourself back and put yourself in a position where you can um, start pre-season by next year maybe my aim kind of this year was to maybe get back in the middle of November there's like obviously cup final on the horizon kind of, that's my aim I don't want to say it put it out there but if there was, if he were to get to a cup final, would I be available? That's kind of my aim, and I hope the lads will get there. But look, that's 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 a small bit down the road yet. So look, that that's what I'm aiming for. If I come short of that, so be it. But um, in contract terms, yeah, my contract's up. But I think if I if I stick at the rehab, get myself back, which I will, I'll um, I think I'll be fine and have a contract there. If not, look, that's the way. If I know I'm. I'm I'm old enough to know and that's the way football works sometimes but you just don't know so I kind of had to put them on hold for a while and just my main aim at the minute is getting myself back uh, to my best uh, fitness wise and stuff like that so contracts will come once I get fit really This is Sportsbeat Extra Finally this week saw Irish lacrosse in the headlines with their decision to forfeit their place in the World Games the staging post for the Olympics to the Iroquois Nationals. The Iroquois are the native tribe that first played the sport and Irish lacrosse CEO Michael Kennedy explained it was an easy decision despite their qualification through the 2018 World Championships. We were the last team to get an invite. You know, we finished in 12th but there are those four other teams ahead of us that didn't get an invite uh, because of those issues. Iroquois at the top of that list who came in third Puerto Rico, Philippines, and then Scotland. So um, a big social media campaign uh, was undertaken by the Iroquois, a change.org petition. I think it got about 70,000 signatures, um, and it became a huge uh, issue. And um, really, uh, as an organization, we were monitoring this, you know, and even me personally as a fan of lacrosse, I was keeping track of the issue. And, you know, the World Lacrosse, which is the International Federation, were negotiating with the World Games Association to see whether it was possible to consider inclusion of the Iroquois. And when the World Games Association said they would be willing to do that, from Ireland's point of view, we could see the writing on the wall that, you know, we were the last place team. If the Iroquois were in, um, the right thing to do uh, for us, we felt, would be to vacate our position to create a smoother pathway for the Iroquois into the event. So, you know, eventually I got the call from World Lacrosse saying, you know, we want to talk to you about the Iroquois situation. And I said, look, you know, I, I had surveyed our leadership. We could see the writing on the wall. We were the last place team. We said, you know, I, I said, I'm going to make this very easy. We will vacate our spot. Uh, so the Iroquois could be invited. And we got the game from the Iroquois. The Iroquois themselves say they received the game from the creator. Um, so there's this really deep kind of spiritual background to the game. Uh, and the Iroquois call it a medicine game. And, you know, Native Americans have been using it as a medicine game for centuries. Um, so, you know, we're very grateful to the Iroquois for having given us the game. So, you know, the gratitude they've expressed directly to us, and we've been in lots of conversations with them about it, it you know, just pales in comparison. What we did is a very small thing uh, compared to what they did in giving us the game of lacrosse. And, you know, those of us who play, you know, players appreciate that connection to the origins of the game and that kind of spiritual connection. 
Um, and so to be able to do something for the originators of the game, you know, it's our privilege to be able to do that. And I suppose that's it's so kind of fitting that it would be Ireland that have done that because we see the parallels, even the way in the way the game is played between our own national sport of, of hurling and obviously lacrosse. They're, they're they're obviously very different in parts, but a lot of the same skills are, are transferable in terms of that hand-eye coordination. Um, and again, like hurling here isn't it's not just a sport. It's the it's the it's the spiritual connection. It's the historical connection. In the same way that the people of the Iroquois have that connection with lacrosse. You're absolutely right, and that's a great uh, connection to make. You know, uh, and uh, you know, in the GA, it's about community. It's about your parish, playing for your parish, playing for your friends. And you know, we I know there's you know this ongoing debate within the GA about the amateur nature of the game. Um, but uh, and in many ways that debate is mirrored in lacrosse communities. There are professional lacrosse leagues in the U.S. that struggle. You know, they you know teams are established and then they fold. You know, it's had a very checkered history. Um, the professional game there, but you know, there's and in many ways it's for those same reasons. You know, there's really a community spirit around the sport, very like the GA, exactly as you've de- uh, described it, where people are playing for the love of the game, for their community, um, and not necessarily playing to make a living out of it or, or to make money out of it, you know. Um, so you're absolutely right. And I think there is that strong connection for an appreciation for indigenous sports uh, and how they contribute to, you know, community, mental health, uh, you know, fitness, uh, all those kinds of things are, are really important. So um, I absolutely agree. Lots of similarities with the GAA. And I suppose um, coming back and then to keeping that connection or running with that connection, how is the game's health here in Ireland? Um, and you're talking about that international team. Like, what's generally the makeup of that team? How many? Do, how many would be? kind of American or uh, um, North American guys that have Irish connections and how many of those guys would be Irish guys that have come through the system itself? So uh, we have a national team vision, which uh, we published on our website, uh, which says, you know, we want as many domestic Irish-based players on the national team as possible. Um, What we try to do at a minimum is have sort of 51% of uh, players on our roster be based here in Ireland, and then 49% uh, can be from the US or UK or Canada, but who have Irish passports. One thing I would note is, you know, for us, uh, and certainly for me as CEO, you know, I think that's also an important aspect of uh, Irish identity linking with the Irish diaspora. You know, Ireland is a very outward-looking country and always has been, and I think you know, linking with our diaspora in this way uh, by having players uh, from all over the world uh, really play uh, for the Irish team. I, you know, I think that's very positive. So these are players, you know, they may have grown up in in the U.S., but, you know, they have a parent or grandparent or they themselves were born in Ireland. So we want to move away from that characterization of our teams and think about it more as, you know, we're together as one. We're all part of the same team. We all have these connections for Ireland, and we want to do the best we can. Sports Beat Extra. Beats 102, 103. That's all from this week's Sports Beat Extra. You can listen back to this and every other episode by visiting beat102103.com forward slash podcast. But up next is Trish with Beat Anthems.